0: Live from the betting capital of the
1: world,
2: Vegas, baby, Vegas!
1: It's Wager Talk with Teddy Covers
2: and Ralph Michaels. So the fantasy BFFs got it right. It is for, for, for <laughs> Friday here in Sin City, and welcome to Wager Talk here on the Sports Grid TV Network. This is your Sports Central for betters. I want to welcome Zumo viewers, Stirb viewers, Pluto TV viewers, IR radio listeners, and all of you listening on our podcast outlets. My name is Ted Savransky. They call me Teddy Covers at Teddy underscore covers on Twitter. They even call me Teddy Covers. Sometimes they call me Teddy Don't Cover. Uh, it happens, but the nickname is Teddy Covers. Ralph Michaels, my co host and good friend at CalSportsLV on Twitter. Let's get into it, Ralph. A lot of bad beats, bad bets, and bad for the books to talk about from last night on a busy basketball card. So let's start right there with a little recap of what happened last night. We're going to start in Milwaukee where the Bucs pretty much dominated the Celtics wire to wire, but not in the fourth quarter. (laughs) Milwaukee led by 16 after one. They led by 20 at halftime. They led by, I think, 19 after three. But the Celtics second night of back-to-backs, missing one of their superstars at the end of a really tough scheduling stretch. Maybe Milwaukee let their put off the foot off the gas pedal. The bottom line is Bucks starters were in the game in the last five minutes, and the Celtics made a run. Tough beat for Bucks betters. Right side, wrong result.
3: Eddie, we go over these topics for two reasons: to learn from what happened, and to help us learn moving forward, the Milwaukee Bucks got reamed after this game. Coach Mike Budenholzer came in, lit them up for not playing a full 48 minutes. That's something to think about the next time the Bucks are a favorite, and the next time the Bucks are in a live betting situation when they're a, when they have a small lead, look for them to extend that lead.
2: Excellent info. And now, look, this show is a, a much more about information than picks. We always give you opinions. Whenever we have them, we never make up opinions, but we'll give you every opinion we have about the games we talk. But the goal of this show is to make sure that everyone who watches it is thoroughly informed on every game that we talk about, whether it's in a recap perspective or whether it's a moving forward perspective. In this case, the Bucs might be worth looking at. Next time they face Boston, next time they try to step up, or next time they have a big lead. Lots of wise guy money came for Golden State last night. The Sharps were all over the Warriors. Why? Well, Denver wasn't missing just one starter or two starters. They were missing three starters, including their starting backcourt. You know, when Harris and Murray uh, are both out and Millsap is sitting, you're going to expect money the other way. Well, it looked like they were going (laughs) to win. And then Denver forced OT, got a three-point win in the extra session. That wasn't good for the bookmakers because the closing number landed right on three. Bottom line is, wise guys cleaned up. Nuggets versus Warriors. Even though Denver ended up winning the game, Golden State got the money.
3: Add another, add another game to the list, Teddy. We've talked about Denver as a favorite. Now one nine and one. I have you know I had the line in as three and a half in the database because that's where people could play it. But the Denver Nuggets continue to play down to their level of competition, failing to cover as an as a favorite but yet being very, very competitive or winning outright as a dog.
2: So the Jazz got a very controversial late call in their favor. They were down by one, and there was a foul called before the ball was inbounded with .2 seconds left on the Pelicans rookie center. What happened? We saw Rudy Gobert go to the line with a chance to win the game. Missed the first, hit the second, goes into overtime. Ball don't lie. Pelicans win anyway, and the game flies over the total. New Orleans not pleased with the call, and yet they get another win. They get another cover as Utah's long winning streak comes to an end. They're now 14-2 and in their last 16 ball games, after last night's overtime loss.
3: Pelicans on an amazing overrun, and if you look, it's one of those games to note. Yeah, the game went into overtime. But if you played the over, you cashed anyway. The game was tied at 122. There was 244 points in regulation.
2: And that came despite a relatively slow start to that game and a relatively low-scoring first quarter, third quarter. After halftime, these two teams picked up the pace and picked up the offensive intensity. I think it was a 74-point third quarter that set the stage for that game to fly over. So we wondered, and we talked about this on the show yesterday, about what, what Orlando was going to do after beating the Clips, or after beating the Lakers. Now they have the second night of back-to-backs, they don't have to travel, they're in the same venue. Is it a, hey, we're happy, fat and happy and chill, or are we hungry? Well, we found out pretty early. <laughs> a no-show in that ball game. But a Rodney Magruder 3, it means that the total lands right on the number. Total gets a push. Magic backers get nothing.
3: For me, I think it's a confidence boost for the Clippers. Paul George misses four games. The Clippers don't miss a beat. Seven players in double figures. Uh, It just goes to show how good and how deep the Clippers are, in my mind.
2: We talk about our results on this show every day, good or bad. When we win, we talk about it. When we lose, we talk about it. It's just the nature of the game for what we do. And last night, you talked about Cincinnati. You like Cincinnati plus the points at Memphis. Ooh, the Bearcats. They were bricklayers last night, man. They couldn't. I felt like Mick Cronin was coaching that team again. 30% shooting for Cincinnati. The money came for Cincy. Memphis gets the win. Memphis gets the cover. Bearcats couldn't hit the broadside of a barn with their jump shots.
3: A game of streaks. Uh, unfortunately for me, you know, my followers, Memphis had many more. Cincinnati shot 28% from two point land. You're not going to win any game on the road doing that.
2: Nope. We saw the understeam yesterday, Arizona-Utah understeam, a big move. We talked about it. What happened in the end? Well, the game finished 30 points over the total. Wise guys got that one wrong.
3: Yeah, it, that was one I didn't agree with. I mean, Arizona was just due to play well, and we used the do system. I joke about that, but, again, being on the road like they were at Oregon and Oregon State, those losses happen. There's a huge home-road dichotomy in, in the Pac-12, and it's very obvious.
2: And what happened to the Ducks last night? Wazoo winning outright as double-digit home dogs.
3: They don't have that same defense. They're only a top 90 defense under Dana Altman this year. That's not what we're accustomed to. The Ducks, another team that we talk about, they did not play a true road game until January 4th. And it goes to show you go on the road in the conference play without a lot of road experience. Results like last night happened.
2: We've got line movers, big game breakdowns, and a special guest, Dave Sheriffin from CG Technology. Stay tuned. Wager Talk continues. When you want the edge, you get on the grid. I mean, it really is just that simple. And this show, Wager Talk, has been around just the start of football season. We're really looking to build something. We're looking to build something right here on the Sports Grid Network. So we're asking for you guys to give us a little bit of help. It's real simple. We need follows, we need likes, we need retweets. That's what it takes in the modern era. So you can find us on YouTube at Sports Grid Network. That's all fantasy and sports wagering all the time. Find us on Instagram. At SportsGrid TV. Again, on YouTube at SportsGrid Network, on Instagram at SportsGrid TV, we appreciate it. We thank you for your likes, for your follows, and for your retweets. Let us continue to give you the type of betting information you need and you want on a daily basis. Thanks for letting us do it. And we appreciate all the likes, follows, and retweets. All that said, enough with the promo. Let's talk line movers. Where's the money going on a Friday? We're focusing here on the basketball card for tonight. Don't worry. We'll have plenty of NFL playoff discussion coming up on the show. Ralph and I have already broken down the games a couple times. We'll do it again in our next segment. Plus, when Dave Sherapin joins us from CG Technology, we'll focus exclusively on the playoff games for, or largely on the playoff games for this weekend. But let's start with line movers for tonight. and. Basically, right now, Toronto has become a popular wise guy choice. We saw Raptor money in OKC the other night. They won the game. Now we're seeing the healthy Raptors taking money and over money against the Washington Wizards. I can understand the over money. The Wizards, when it comes to defensive intensity, hmm, slim and none. We saw the Pistons light them up in the fourth quarter the other night. Uh, or the Bulls, that's who I am sorry. Uh, we saw the Pistons light them up and the Bulls light them up in recent games. Uh, But Toronto is healthy, as healthy as they've really been at any point since the beginning of the season. They could even have Van Vliet back in the lineup, which will give Nick Nurse a full compliment. Defending champs up to 10.5, the total sitting now in the 230 range. What's your take on this one, Ralph? Do you agree with the line move or no?
3: No, the Raptors are coming off that OKC game where they almost blew a 30-point lead. So. The interesting thing is, after that game, Coach Nick Nurse said, well, I think it has some things to do with conditioning. I think I've been playing some guys too long, and they've been wearing out. So, you know, two blown leads, two different opinions from those head coaches, and you have to take that into consideration. You know, I I look at the Raptors, and they've only been a favorite of eight or more five times this year. Not only have they covered all five, they've covered by over 12 points per game. And they're 4-1 and in that role. Average game score, 126-103. to
2: Yeah, the Wizards, uh, coming off that loss in Chicago, the post-game quotes were as frustrated as I've heard that locker room all year. Either Washington's going to show tonight, or they're going to get blown off the floor. This might be one of those games that's real good for in-game wagering. So it looks like Carl Anthony Towns is finally going to be back on the court for the Minnesota Timberwolves tonight. The markets think so. We've seen some Minnesota come in uh, money come in uh, in a revenge game against Indiana. These two teams uh, played earlier in the week with the Pacers winning by five on the T Wolves' home floor. Towns had the leg injury or the knee, and then uh, he got sick. There's been a flu bug going around the Minnesota locker room uh, that you know it got Anthony Wiggins as well, but supposedly. The T-Wolves have overcome the flu bug and are ready to go with Towns in the lineup in Indiana tonight. They gave them a game the other night. They couldn't beat them. Tonight, of course, Indiana's at home. The point spreads a good notch or two higher. T-Wolves money showing in Indiana tonight, Ralph.
3: Well, you know, Pacers 8-2 is a favorite their last 10. I'm going to turn this around, Teddy, and ask you a question. We've tried to educate our viewers that Don't overreact to a one-game injury because the other teams respond. Does the Vegas line get adjusted too much when you have an injured player for an extended period of time coming back for a first game?
2: Generally, yes. As a general rule of thumb, that first game back, there's always going to be a transition, especially with a guy like Towns who's going to be on the floor 30, 35, 40 minutes a night once he returns. That's a lot of minutes to give up and a lot of rotations to readjust. It's one thing if you're out for a week. It's another thing if you're out for a month plus. So I often think the lines, the markets over-adjust to the players' return. I over-adjust when it comes to, oh, I adjust only based on play. And when a team steps up their play because somebody's back, I'll move my priority number up. But the injury itself, the markets move quickly. I tend to move a little bit slower. We're seeing a little bit of thunder money tonight. Not a ton, but some OKC against Miami, the Thunder coming off a bad loss, and the Heat coming off a nice win over San Antonio. Miami's had all kinds of problems on the highway this year. And they talked about it last week. They had a great win at Indiana, then followed up with back-to-back bad losses as favorites, including an awful fourth quarter against the Knicks. Well, Miami's talking about winning on the highway again (laughs) Uh, and the importance of the intensity level on the highway. OKC, if a loss, Heat off the win, the money coming for the Thunder.
3: You look at the Heat's last eight games on the road, they're three and five. But their defense is a different set of defense on the road. I look for an over game here. The last eight Heat games on the road, seven and one to the over. OKC's been playing over as home as well.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't I That makes a ton of sense to me. A good look uh, from a Ralph Michaels. And Miami, to me, you know, uh, I, I like this team. Uh, I really do. I wouldn't be surprised if they pull off the small upset. Uh, in OKC this evening, the Thunder overachieved big time. The single best points per team in the NBA. That was the first half of the season. We want to be proactive, not reactive. I think Miami's got bet on potential on the highway, at least for the next week or two. Let's talk about the Spurs and the Hawks in the Association for tonight. The markets have moved to the over in that ball game. You can understand why. San Antonio. It's a really good three-point shooting team, and they've been shooting it well of late. They had a little bit of a, a step-back game in Miami the other night. That's why they lost. Uh, but the Spurs can drain from three, and the Hawks, all they do is push pace. Indiana, uh, Atlanta's gotten a lot healthier uh, of late. Everybody in, in the lineup, uh, they, I think, have a full complement or pretty close to it now. Collins is back, Herter is back, Young is back, and when they're clicking, that offense scores points on everybody. I like the move to the over in this ballgame made a whole lot of sense to me, Ralph. What about you?
3: I'm going to not be so quick to jump on that bandwagon. I I look at the Hawks as an away dog in their last five rolls. They've only scored 95 points per game as an away dog their last five. When they're at home, they're pressing that pace as much as anyone. They seem to slow it down a little bit on the road. Granted, they're only shooting 41%, so that has a lot to do with a 95-point-per-game average in those five away dog rolls.
2: Sure, I'll take the over 95 for Hawks point scores tonight, and I'll take it for the limit. Uh, of course, that's not the team total for Atlanta. Uh, it's about 10 points uh, higher than that. But it's, certainly it's a Hawks team that they've had, and the lack of the roster being at 100%, uh, I think they're poised now to be pouring points in bunches a lot more than they were. Let's talk a little college hoops for tonight. And we've seen a change of favorites. Siena now laying at Canisius, and This isn't even my stump the capper game, uh, Ralph. Sienna, Canisius, why are the Saints now chalk? I disagree
3: with it. I, I look at I look at what they've played recently. I look at their stretch. Sienna's Sienna's the chalk because they're four and two their last six games, and Canisius is one and five. But if you look at the strength of the schedule, those two teams played in the MAAC conference. I actually like. The team that's one in five getting the one point.
2: Yeah, that's Metro uh, Atlantic. I call it the MAC as opposed to the MAC. <laughs> you know, the Mid American. The MAAC. Uh, yeah, the MAAC. M- yeah. Well, but there's a, the the May-ac's a different one. It's the Mid Eastern.
3: No. no, not the MAAC. I call it the MAAC.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just call it the MAC. And of course, we got to have a stump the capper game. These are fun, Ralph. And if you don't know, you're allowed not to know. Uh, but wishing under money in Furman Wofford. Why?
3: Again, another game, pace, pace, pace. I like Furman in this game, just FYI. They're a fast-paced team going on the road, lead offense. Wofford's a decent middle of the road team that has a tempo in the 330 range out of the 353 teams. So a lot of sharps go with the home team being able to control tempo. I don't think they can tonight, though.
2: Fine. Under money and Furman Wofford, I can't stump Ralph. Stump, stump. I can't stump Ralph uh, with these small schools. I'm gonna keep trying though. Big game breakdowns coming up next. Stay on the grid. Bye. in the game with DraftKings Sportsbook where listeners and viewers of this show can get a deposit bonus of up to $500 here's how it works 1. create a DraftKings Sportsbook account 2. make a deposit 3. place your first bet and DraftKings will match it with a 50% bonus up to $500 this offer is eligible for all users plus new users will get a risk free bet of up to $200. Just go to sportsgrid.com slash DK to play. That's sportsgrid.com slash DK. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 and over. New Jersey only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See website for details. Ralph, let's talk NFL playoffs. And look, I know we've broken down both games in detail throughout the course of the week. We're also going to have Dave Sharapin joining us next, who's going to give us a bookmaker's perspective. We had a bookmaker's perspective yesterday. All that said, people don't watch every show necessarily. we got to give them something. So we'll do quick hitters here on the Niners and the Packers and the Chiefs and the Titans, even though we've touched on these games already multiple times this week. So when it starts with San Fran, Green Bay, I'll tell you what. I understand that we have a Hall of Fame quarterback on the one side, an Aaron Rodgers, and a Hall of Fame-level play caller on the other, in Kyle Shanahan. But when I look at these two teams, I see two teams who have defensive strengths. Super Bowl, I mean, they have Super Bowl-caliber defenses. The total's been steamed up, 46 and a half. I could understand you maybe Rodgers and Garoppolo getting a shootout, but if I had to pick a play... In this game, certainly for the total, I'm looking at the under.
3: Teddy, I agree with you more. I mean, you you and I, you know, have done some other videos, and you know, I think if we had to flip a coin, I'd be on one side, saying, Fran, you'd probably be on the other. But we can both agree with this total. I, I think both teams will try to establish the run. Both teams have defenses that have big playmakers and can stop those big plays. And, you know, compared to compared to the other Game. You don't have the big hitters that you do. You know, Kittle's your main receiver, a tight end, shorter passes, Green Bay, Aaron Jones. So agree with that thought. Let's talk about that second game, Teddy. You know, we've seen that line come down to seven. You know, now there's a couple seven and a halves minus juice. KC 753 against Tennessee. Your quick hit on this.
2: In my mind, this is is absolutely an impossible game. It really is. Because I can picture a scenario. A legitimate scenario in which the Titans get the ball first, they, they hand it off to Derrick Henry 15 times, he's in the end zone, and all of a sudden Tennessee's playing with the lead, the crowd's out of the game, all the ghosts from Andy Reid's failures and playoff pass come back to haunt him. I could, and then Tennessee doesn't have to worry about anything but running the ball, which they do as well or better than any team remaining in the NFL. So I could picture a Titans win. I could picture them blowing them out. I can also picture Kansas City doing the exact same thing. <laughs> you know, when we talk about Patrick Mahomes and coming in. We're talking about who do we like, who do we like. I'm like the Chiefs. You and I both agreed. We like Chiefs and Saints. Saints didn't make it out of the first round. You know, we've seen that before <laughs> from the Sean Payton and company coming up just short, uh, as they did again. But I still truly believe in Kansas City, and Patrick Mahomes is without a shadow of a doubt the best quarterback remaining. And Mahomes can do very special things that I'm not convinced Tennessee is going to be able to stop. So it's a hard game. I could picture a KC blowout. I could picture a straight up win for Tennessee. That makes the props hard to bet. <laughs> I haven't put a dime on this game, not a penny. What about you?
3: I agree. I, you know, I, I do like the total. I will say this: I do, I do lean with the over. I'm not too conservative. Tennessee gets that quick score or gets a score early. KC to me proved last week with Mahomes there. That they're are a different beast this year, and even if they get behind, I don't think I, I think last game will keep the crowd into it for quite a while because of the comeback. Quickly, let's switch to the uh, NBA so we can talk hoops, both pro and college level. The Bulls, surprisingly, have made a nice little run as an away dog. They've won four of their last 12 games outright as a dog, and they're 9-3 and against the spread. They're getting seven tonight against the 76ers, a total of 215.
2: Yeah, I mean, the Bulls uh, have uh, been playing without Wendell Carter, and they just lost uh, Luke Cornett as well, who was Carter's replacement, and he was well below average. So they have a void (laughs) right now uh in the uh in the four spot uh in the four I mean they've not got a, a great sp- situation in the five spot either um you know and I guess marketing can th- go between one and the other but one of their two big men uh, is a void and of course the sixers playing without Embiid, there's a void there as well you talked about Chicago's success in the road dog role and it's real exactly I mean when Zach Levine is hitting they, they can beat anybody uh, I mean, he's he's that type of offensive playmaker who's capable of taking over a game. Uh, I've seen it on more than one occasion in recent weeks where uh, Levine gets going and all of a sudden they're the Bulls looking really good. Philadelphia is a lot better than Chicago, but the Sixers are one of the teams that really tends to play up or down the level of competition. They're like the Nuggets in that regard. Philly gets up for the big games. The games against the Bulls, not so much. So I have my concerns here about laying the price with the Sixers. If I was going to play the games, the only way I could look, Ralph, is lay with Philly. I do not trust Chicago to hang tough. But I don't trust the Sixers' intensity in games like this. Not one I'm going to get involved with.
3: Well, two negative ATS situations coming up. The Dallas Mavericks are laying seven and a half. A total of 228 and a half to the Blazers. Portland comes in three and nine against the spread as a dog. Dallas comes in two and eight ATS at home, two and seven ATS as a home favorite. Which of the worst evils would you like to back tonight?
2: Oh, I'd rather have the Blazers in my pocket than the Mavs tonight. In fact, I do have the Blazers in my pocket. Uh, <laughs> my clients have the Blazers in their pockets. Yeah, to, uh, to me, the, the Portland makes a ton of sense. And. Make no mistake about it. When we look at the underachieving teams of the NBA campaign, we're at the halfway point now, Portland to me is absolutely number one. There's not a it's not a debate. You know, it's not close. This is a team that was in the Western Conference Finals last year, and they're what, 18 and 24 right now? But they're off back to back wins, including an upset win at Houston in their last game. And you read the quotes out of that locker room, that's a hungry team. Dallas has shown no ability in any recent season, including the meeting this year, the first meeting this year, to pull away from Portland. And when you talk about games where you think Lillard's going to show and Lillard's going to be focused, I think Luka might get his attention tonight. I have Portland in my pocket. Like I said, I advise my clients to make that same bet. Let's talk a little college hoops for tonight. And this was going to be a stump the capper game. You're like, no, 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 we got to talk about it over here because I got to play on it. So I couldn't even stump you. Not only do you know everything about the teams, you're in action on it. Let's talk about it. Ryder taking money, minus six at Niagara. They're betting at Canisius and Niagara tonight. They have something against the city of Buffalo. What's going on there? And what's your take on Ryder Niagara this evening?
3: This really, this sets up perfectly as the way I like handicapping, Teddy. You have a team that is nine and six, laying points to a team that's four and 11. Niagara's plus six, I actually make Niagara a two-point favorite. Why? Wow. Well, the Niagara team that's four and 11 has played the number 117 schedule. That that Ryder team that's nine and six has played a number 322 schedule. Then you look at Ryder, first-year head coach, it is uh, Greg Paulus. Remember the quarterback and point guard from Duke? They went yep. through a tough stretch, two and nine, learning a systems. But you look at what they've done in conference play. They're two and two against the Mayak's number six schedule. Uh, and on the opposite side, three and two record against the, lo- the easiest schedule. All five wins against the bottom five teams in the Metro Atlantic Conference. I think this is a spot where currently the better team is getting six points at home.
2: That's that's a strong statement there. When you have a home dog, a plus six, and they're the better team, betters might be interested. Ralph says take a look at Niagara plus the spot this evening. Let's talk about the three top 25 matchups in college hoops for Friday night, which is fun to talk about. Michigan State had about as bad a game as they're ever going (laughs) to have in Purdue uh, the other day. uh, Was that Sunday. They've had all week to stew about it. Now they're nine and a half point chalk, total 131 and a half against a Badgers team that's been not just covering, they've been winning games straight up on the highway. Tough, tough Wisconsin team once again.
3: This is a clear over adjustment to Michigan State's worst loss in, in I don't know how many years, the 71 42 loss at Purdue. But again, it's an overreaction. This Wisconsin team was five and five. What happened since that time that they've gone 6-1? and Micah Porter, the Ohio State transfer, a midseason transfer, became eligible. Porter's been dynamic in the role. And when I have a projection that the winning team's going to get 60 points and I'm getting 9.5 with a top 20 defense, there's no way I'm not on the Badgers.
2: Badgers plus worth a look for Ralph Michaels. Let's talk Iowa and Michigan. I had Iowa plus the points in the first meeting between these two teams. They scored in the 90s in college hoops. The game did not go into overtime, and they didn't cover. What happens in the rematch? Iowa minus five, total 148. And, yes, we've seen some over money in that contest against the Wolverines in the rematch.
3: Well, both teams are much different. Remember, Livers is still out for Michigan. While they list him as questionable, uh, you know, I think reading between the lines of Jalen Howard, he's not going to be back in this game. And Iowa had a point guard, Bohannon, a returning point guard who has now been out the last eight or nine games. The reason I do favor Iowa in this game is is because Joe Troussant, the true freshman, has stepped up at point guard. You have an elite offense. And when I look at this Michigan team, so many remember people remember those three games in the Atlantis hitting fifty-five percent against Iowa State, North Carolina, and Gonzaga. That's a one time off in three games. I don't and since that point they've done nothing close to that. I like Iowa as well.
2: Under money rolling in, not over money, as I just said. Dave Sheriff joins us next. Way to talk continues.
5: It's spring and with the weather changing and so many great things coming up like Mother's Day and the wind down tour, I definitely need a fresh spring wardrobe for every occasion. This spring, I'm looking for that perfect flowy spring dress for Mother's Day as well as replacing my everyday basics. That's what I love about JCPenney. They have so many stylish and comfortable options that I always find just what I'm looking for there. Spring is a feel-good season and comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. The fashion at JCPenney is the same way. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with styles that gets you something to wear that.
2: Back to Wager Talk here on a football Friday. And that means I love this segment, I really do. Dave Sherapin from CG Technology, owners of uh what, six, seven sportsbooks here in Las Vegas, joins us on the program. Dave, welcome to the show. Hey, Teddy, Ralph, what's happening? It's just another Friday, man, with a couple of big games this weekend. But before we get into What's going to happen? I just want to do a real quick recap for you guys in terms of CG. How was Divisional Round weekend for, weekend for you guys? I'm assuming that the Ravens' loss to the Titans was your biggest winner. What was your biggest loser? Tell me about the four games.
6: Uh, Saturday, overall, results were really good. Um, yeah, the Ravens losing, going down outright to the Titans was the best result both games stayed under Saturday with a game stay under. That's usually a good thing. Um, Sunday, the chiefs come back from a 24, nothing deficit and the game flying over the total 51 to 31 was probably, uh, the worst result. And, um, it was a lot of action. There was, it was a great weekend overall, just as far as, you know, wagers, we took a lot of future bets. Um, Overall it was really good, and then it culminated with Monday with the national championship, and that game was very interesting because we had taken a lot of pretty large wagers on LSU and had a really good position on Clemson going you know for the futures. Um, the game following what it did uh, 67 was really not bad for us because we had taken some some big plays over the uh, 70 and I believe 69 and a half earlier. So they have gave money, Clemson money, uh, both Sunday and Monday, really kind of lowered that. That could have been a lot worse. But, uh, you know, Tony and the boys did a really good job of, of managing that. It wasn't nearly as bad as it could have been.
2: Just, just so a quick follow-up on that. Uh, I mean, did the, did the LSU, did all of that Clemson money actually make LSU's win profitable for you guys? Or was it still just a smaller loss than it would have been
6: um actually yeah, it turned that into uh by falling on the number where it did with the total yeah, it was very small, but it was it was a positive result which you would have never thought um uh even forty eight hours before the game that definitely wouldn't have been the case, but man, there was a just a landslide of money, big wagers sharp wagers um the Clemson money was definitely day of game money. So, and it was overwhelming. I mean, the number went back down. So, you know, when it does that, it, uh, it's pretty significant.
3: Hey, I have one question I've asked our other guests, when you take the national championship game on Monday, compare it to your highest volume playoff game of the weekend of those four games. Did you have more volume on your highest playoff game or the national championship?
6: Oh, Ralph, it was the national championship that game being up the extra week and um you know with the storylines and everything else that it had going we took some it was a really big amount of money it was you know not approaching super bowl type money but it having that extra week which we thought initially wasn't really going to maybe take away some steam from it it only added to it and you know following up the divisional weekend um, and anyone that may have been in town may have wrapped their trip around. There was just a lot of action on the game overall, and it was definitely bigger than the playoff games.
3: Well, let's talk about the second game on Sunday, but the first game in the rotation. San Francisco, it seems it's climbed to seven. I see a couple shops perhaps popping to eight or with some juice. Where are you on the 49ers and the Packers side in total?
6: Right now we're at seven and a half. The total's 45 and a half with us, which when you scan across the market, it's probably the lowest total Low. around. Yeah. It is, it yeah. Is. And, <laughs> and um, you know, initial bets on here were, were on San Francisco because we opened at seven. We're at seven and a half. Have been since. Um, more straight bets, actually, on the point spread on the Niners. But the Packers' money line, is running at a crazy clip we're talking like four and a half almost five to one on packers money line bets so it's turning into the way you know you guys know the way they bet the super bowl where if you bet the favorite you lay the points if you like the dog you bet the the money line and that's the way this game is being bet here with us so not surprisingly we're getting all over bets as well and i mean that's why we have the total but um, uh, we have a feeling that 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 one may actually come back our way. We're really reluctant, you know, with only three games left in the football season in the NFL, we're not moving the numbers maybe the same way we would in the regular season.
2: We're talking, of course, uh with David Sherup and from uh CG Technology, the CG Sportsbooks here in Vegas at Sportsbook Consigliere uh, on Twitter. Uh and he's an excellent follow. Um so this 49ers Packers it sounds like your best result would be a San Fran win, no cover. Uh, What would be your second best result? As
6: as of right now, that is correct. Um, Second best result would probably be a Packers outright win. Um, In the future book, that's our best position, actually. Uh, The Packers winning the Super Bowl would be the best result overall. So that wouldn't be the worst case scenario if they actually win the game. But, yeah, no, a, a Niners win by uh, less than seven, ideal sweet spot. A tight, low-scoring game would be pretty good. And a, uh, a low-scoring first half would be okay as well. That, uh, <laughs> that's one of the interesting things that are being bet um, so far uh, as far as, like, you know, the halves or the quarters. of The, the Packers-Niners first half seems to be uh, over, seems to be the side that they like.
2: Is there any prop action worth noting? I know you have props up uh, for all kinds of different things. Have you seen any big moves uh, in terms of the props of the 49ers and the Packers?
6: No, to be perfectly honest, it's, that those seem to be a weekend thing. So mm-hmm. we haven't really seen much of anything there. You know, we'll have like alternate spreads and uh you know, individual team total points and uh, some different things like that. But, no, there's been minimal as far as that goes.
3: Dave, tell us about the Chiefs and the Titans, where you opened it, where you are, and, and a follow-up question as well. Of the two games at this point, which of the two has a higher volume?
6: So we, we're at seven and a half right now which if you scan the market, that's probably one of the last ones of those you'll find, um, seven and a half with a minus 15 on the Titans and continuing to take plays there because it's seven and a half, the, the minus one 15 hasn't really slowed anyone down. Um, if the game kicked right now, I, I don't know if we're be unique or not in that respect, but we would need the chiefs right now. Um, don't anticipate that being the case by kickoff on Sunday. Figure the Chiefs money is coming. Uh, The total is being bet like the game's going to be a repeat of last week's. I mean we're at 53 and we can't write an under bet. Hard to argue with what you saw last week with the Chiefs. Um, As far as the volume of the games I think it's based really on sequential order. Right now there are more tickets and more money bet on the titans and chiefs but that won't be the case by the time the packers and niners kick off you know because everything's going to roll into that i can't tell you how many just money line parlays favorite favorite we have let alone teasers taking the chiefs and the and the niners down that's the super bowl that everybody wants to see and that is by far the most popular bet that we've seen up to this point
2: yeah, from so a, a quick- teaser standpoint, this has to be a nightmare liability situation because both uh, San Fran uh, and uh, uh, Kansas City fall into the basic strategy teaser, you know, tease your favorite down under a field goal. Uh, so you, you, you'll you need a teaser killer this weekend out of one of these two games. And I also want to mention, and Ralph just uh, gave me a note, when David Sherpin comes on the show and says, we have a sale <laughs> – uh, on the over in Green Bay San Fran. We've got the number nobody else has, which is we've got a number on Tennessee that is at the edge of the market right now. You know, that's why we have different sports books on. You can get the best of the number at CG for those wagers. Go there, make those bets. <laughs> Ton of sense. Um, any prop action worth <laughs> noting, Chiefs Titan? No, but you know that that one's
6: coming um, it, because the. You know, between the Rogers, um, you know, props or, or or things like that. Again, we kind of, not really take a back seat. We don't take a back seat to anyone, but we, you know, we, the ones that put the props up early, um, we we kind of just wait and let the market settle a little bit, and more worry about the props as the game approaches rather than early in the week.
3: Dave, let's just talk about two NBA games quickly. Any action on the Bulls 76ers or the Blazers-Mavs this evening?
6: Uh, Right now, we're seeing all Sixers plays. I mean, we're at seven. Haven't really moved. The total's moving a little bit. It's come down to 214. Uh, You know, pretty sharp play on the under there. Blazers and Mavericks was in a circle all morning and has been kind of overlooked. But just in general, the Mavericks are a play every night. Very popular choice on parlays and things like that. So probably anticipate that line heading north, if you know what I'm saying.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, Porzingis has now officially been ruled out for Dallas. So I don't know that Mm. game's in a circle uh, anymore, correct? Okay. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, just right before we called, yep. Yeah, I just saw that. That's one of the benefits of having commercial breaks. You can check stuff out. Uh, let's talk um, Wisconsin Michigan State for tonight big showdown in the Big Ten what kind of action are you seeing at CG for this game
6: so far surprisingly even action on the game um, which is very rare for a Michigan State game so we found the number it's nine and a half tickets are running almost even as well as uh, money so you know we usually need against Michigan State pretty much every game they play so <laughs> Uh, So far, it's not the case. The the Big Ten mover today is Iowa. Iowa, we opened four and a half, uh, took a play open at four and a half, took another play at five. We're up to five and a half on the game. And um, I don't know. I don't think that's the top. I think it's going to keep going.
3: You know, I, I, Daddy, you talked about checking things on the commercial. I checked my Twitter on the commercial, and a couple people tagged me that uh, I was getting blasted with a snowstorm, and they're talking about closing streets and highways, so we'll see how much that affects the attendance tonight. Obviously, if the students are there, that's the important part of that game.
6: Yeah, I don't know uh, how— how much it'll affect the actual game. But yeah, I mean, there's been a big move on the under as well in that game. So maybe it'll be kind of a dead atmosphere. Who knows? The Big Ten on the road has been not uh, treating the visitors very well in any building this season.
2: Yeah, I'll tell you what, they're betting the under. That first meeting, and they're pounding the under right now. The first meeting, I had Iowa, plus the points, they scored 91 in regulation and didn't cover. Uh, So it was not a defensive (laughs) struggle. I'll just put it that way. Before we get to the last game, I don't know we're going to have time for it, so I want to make sure that you get a chance to give your promos and plugs. What's going on at CCG Technology? And tell people what those books are here in Las Vegas. So, any one of our properties
6: this weekend between the Venetian, Cosmo, Palms, Hard Rock, um, Silverton, go sign up for an account, in-game wagering. We've expanded the menu. Sign up for an account. Make your plays. Fire away.
2: We really appreciate your time. Dave Sharapin from CG Technology joins us each and every Friday. Enjoy the games this weekend, Dave, and good luck. We'll be right back Bye. here on Wake Talk. We're here in the home stretch of wager talk on a Friday. Yeah, I'm it out a little bit. I wasn't. That was crazy. a week. That was a week, Teddy. Come on. It's well, if you do it every day, you can't give them a, a four, you know, a four octane version every day, man.
3: But it's Friday. Oh, total. It's home. Friday, Teddy.
2: Yeah, that's true. All right, fine. It's the home stretch on a Friday. Time to talk pros versus joes, like we do every week in the NFL, but. To be perfectly honest, Ralph, we talked about it last week. Sometimes in the postseason you see a legitimate pro versus Joe game. There's a little bit of that here. You know, the, the, It's clear that the public likes Kansas City. And it's clear that there's at least one group of wise guys that like Tennessee. But is this a classic versus Joe's? A little bit, no, you know, it's not fully dramatic. Now the Joe is clearly like Casey, but uh, there's also, you know, it, it's not one of these situations where there's a clear pro and here's what the wise guys are betting and it's perfectly obvious and all the wise guys are lined up on this side or here's what the public's betting and it's a clear choice and look at the consensus numbers and look at how the, the books that cater to recreational bettors are shading their numbers. We're not seeing that here. So there's a little bit of sharp square uh, divide between, uh, you know, the, the the clearly the pros are on Tennessee and the Joes are on Kansas City. I'm not seeing that with the 49ers-Packers game. And, and frankly, even the KC-Tennessee split isn't really a dramatic one.
3: Let's remember, the national championship was pros-Joes, the pros lost, and when we talk about this, let's say the pros win 45% of the time, and that's you know a, a decent win percentage. That still means they lose 45% of the time, so when we go through these at the end of the week, it's not, oh, I should bet what the pros say, what the Joes say, we're just providing you information so you can understand why the lines have moved when they moved.
2: Makes a ton of sense. Great info from Ralph Michaels all week long. Really enjoy working with you, buddy. Thanks so much to Dave Sherapin from CG Technology joining us today. And thanks to you for spending time out of your busy day to hang out with Ralph and I. We'll do it again on Monday. Enjoy the weekend. Stay tuned for At the Window, coming up next right here on the Sports Grid TV Network. Get on the grid.